Welcome everyone to uh, this episode of Timberwolves Talk on November 9th, 2021, a day after the Timberwolves were beaten against the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, tragic day. Tragic, tragic day. day. You guys probably were waiting for what, waiting to see what we were going to say because this was a must win. Game. Must win. We said it ourselves. We said this is a must win game. Must the, win game. The players the even Wolves. said it too. The, before the game, the players all said it was a must win game. Everyone said it was a must win game. Yeah, Jim Pete and uh, and Dave were really making it apparent that the players were saying it's a must right. win game. And they came out to start the game like it was a must win game. It it kind of started almost like the second Clippers game where they get out to you know a 16 to 5 lead. I honestly I think it was 16 to 3 in this yeah. this Grizzlies game. Um and most of the game was good. Honestly, besides that like they gave up their they were up by 20 at one point and you know they kind of gave it up. They were down at halftime, you know, by 4 points and at that point, you know, classic Timberwolves. I'm sure Peyton was thinking the same thing, but I'm like, wow, we did, we already lost the game. And we yeah. were down by four at halftime. Right. No and the third quarter goes well. This team had a little life in them. And that was very surprising because there's been a lot of stats recently about they'll, especially the Timberwolves broadcasting network on Bally Sports, they'll show the points per quarter. And you yep. guys will see it's about 30 points in the first quarter, 27 in the second, and then it drastically decreases to 21 and then 20. I don't know why that is. I don't know why this team can't finish games. But once we got to a six-point lead or a 16-point lead with six minutes left, I'm not going to lie. I, I felt confident. I I, yeah. I I can't lie. I felt confident. I mean, as who, confident who as confident as you can be. I know we choke uh, <laughs> leads, but uh, you know that's as confident as you could possibly be. Six the ESPN um, win basketball probabilities. Index. Yeah, do you know how they do the probabilities? You want to yeah. guess what ours was? Probably ninety nine. It was ninety nine point one percent chance that the Timberwolves were going to win at that six thirty mark. Um, but the moment I knew they were going to lose, I will say was when the Grizzlies cut it to 12 and then John Morant came in when they cut it to 10 with four minutes left. Yeah. At that point, 10 point lead. And then Jock comes in. I was like, Oh no. You know, when you get that little feeling in your stomach, well, not even you got that. Not even you had that. Just, you had that feeling, Chris. I think every single Timberwolves player had that feeling too out on the court and they were scared. Every single player was playing scared that they were going to lose the game and they didn't want to do anything that was going to contribute to losing the game. seemed like everyone was playing passive. No one wanted to attack because they were afraid that they were going to make the turnover, make a mistake that was going to lead to to us losing the game. And the problem was, but by them all doing that, that is in turn why we lost the game. It almost seemed like in those last possessions, we were the team that was losing. It was just that's how, or not even that. It was just like, it was like we were trying to, it's a classic Minnesota sports thing. We were trying not to lose rather than to win. And yeah, 
I don't I know. Mean, you, yeah. me- you, me- you mentioned Minnesota sports thing, and again, this weekend goes to show the, <laughs> the, the Vikings with the seven point lead, seventeen point lead against the Ravens, and I, I don't know, man. Is is this really a curse? Because it seems like they are the. I don't know what it is. They, all these teams play the same in Minnesota. I, it, there it's has for, to be something, right? I don't know, man. I, Mentality. It's just when at the end of the in the fourth quarter when you're winning the game, you like. A shot clock violation. You shouldn't even have a possession where you get a shot clock violation. You should have all the leverage in that point in the game. The defense should be scrambling, trying to stop you. You're winning the game. But we end up getting shot clock violations, and it just, I don't know. It looks like we didn't want to win that game. Yeah, we'll, we'll finish up explaining the game here, and we can we can elaborate to yeah. the rest of it. So, like I said, Ja comes in with the 10-point lead. Um, we all kind of know what happens. Ja with some crazy dunks, crazy finishes. And also, we got out-rebounded tremendously in the final four minutes. It was brutal. Um, Jane McDaniels fouled out. Weird. And what? I said weird. Yeah, weird. Weird, <laughs> right? Four or three out of the last four games, Jaden's fouled out. But Jaden fouls out. And interesting move by Finch. He brings in a Kogi. Instead of Vando, or you know, I'll just leave that. He he brings in a Kogi, um, mm. six foot four. Again, we had like four players about six foot four or six foot five on the court at that point with Cat. And the Memphis Grizzlies had Stephen Adams, Jaron Jackson, and I believe Brandon Clark. Or, well, Brandon Clark came in after Jaron Jackson fouled out in overtime, but they had a lot of tall tall players on the court. Kyle Anderson is about. 682 and he's a forward so big lineup from the Grizzlies and we saw it happened um comes back to bite us you know this time it was a lot of Jaron Jackson in the paint getting free layups off that that little tip in at the end really really killed the wolves I thought with the with the like I think it was two point lead at that time and they gave up the offensive rebound to tie it up with a minute left and uh we kind of did this we did the same thing again man we 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 just hold on to the ball for 23 seconds and expect a shot to shot to come open. And that was the issue. It was, it was a lack of half court offense and a lack of defensive rebounding, I think is what hurt the wolves. Yeah. I, uh, I understand agree. Another thing I noticed about the game was, and I, I didn't pay enough attention to when we lost our timeouts, but it, there was multiple occasions there where if we would have had a timeout at the end of the game, we could have called timeout there on that five-second call. Uh, the D'Angelo Russell one where he was the only one who moved and Pat Bev. We got a five-second violation, which should never happen. And to to add on to that, that's Pat Bev's third time in a clutch situation that he's turned the ball over on an yeah, inbound. But play. can you even blame him on that, though? No one was moving. We we saw that, um, that, that placement being posted all over Twitter and stuff, but... Yeah, really? Finch, Finch took uh, accountability Finch took the blame for that one uh, in his post game press conference. He said yeah. he didn't he didn't prepare the guys enough on that play, and the guys in the corner didn't really know what they were supposed to be doing. So but that's at, that's tough to see. Yeah. Coming out of a timeout, that's tough. To as see. a basketball player, Chris, you got to have a mental clock. Yeah, at some point, if the play is not working, you got to everyone just got to run to the ball and at least give Pat Bev a chance. Because so, what was the score at that point? Were we up by one still? Um, it was a. Uh, we were up by, we were down by um, one at that point. So okay. we were, we had a chance to tie the game there with four seconds left. Um, we were down by, well, we yeah. were down by one. We had a chance to win the game, and we come out of the, 
was that a grid? I don't even think we had a timeout. We didn't have any timeouts. That was, that was no. dead ball. Um, so we we go to inbound the ball, and you know Delo's getting double teamed, and no one's moving in the corner. So that's obviously an issue. Pat Bev five second violation. Um, Grizz get it into Ja, and you know Ja knocks down both the free throws with about I think three seconds left. Um, so at this point, we're down by three. We have a full court to make up here on yeah. the inbounds play, and it's pretty. It was pretty much over. But we got extremely lucky that. Brandon Clark tipped the ball out of bounds on the heave by Nas Reed, who is a high school quarterback. Yep. By the way. They, lo- they, loved, they loved to mention that one. Um, you know, we get lucky. And again, the inbounds play looks horrible. Um, no <laughs> well, one again, open. bro. No you got to run out of bounds. Like, you can't be able to run side out of bounds plays in the NBA. And, you know, we lucked out that Cat somehow flashed towards half court and I saw him flashing towards half court and the ball coming in. I'm like, wow, this is, that was horrible. The, the game's over. Um, Cat makes a magical shot at the buzzer, um, hits the three to tie the game and send it to overtime. And what I really was disappointed by, honestly, was the celebration after the yeah. shot. We, we piled on top of Cat. when Like we won the game. Like we won the game. It was just overtime. Like we just tied the game. Of a um, game where you were already winning by 20. It should exactly. never have been in that situation in the first place. So that just makes it like it's like storming the court when when you're a higher ranked team almost. It's just like you should be you should know how to like be in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like, Act like it just shows. Yeah, it just shows that we've never been there before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we head into overtime, which was brutal to say the least, um, we made four. I think we made we made two buckets. I believe in the last eight minutes of regulation time um, besides the cat bucket. So three again, that is very reminiscent of the dry streak we had at the end of the Clippers game, right. which is very alarming in the fourth quarter. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I would have done to stop this 16 point run by the Grizzlies was sub in Nas Reed at the four. We yeah. would have rebounded better. And Nas Reed last night was on fire. I actually loved how he played last night. He was hitting corner threes, being aggressive, playing good defense and rebounding. Um, I think that was just an error by Chris Finch, not putting him in. And it, it showed we got out rebounded heavily. Yeah, that um, that stretch there, I think it was in the second quarter, maybe when Nas and Cat were both out there together, man, that was they looked super good, actually. Super and good. just and like that's something that I feel like a lot of Timberwolves fans and a lot of people have called for that lineup in the past and like just to see it work out like that is something that maybe we need to go back to more. And yeah, yeah, Britt Britt asked that to Finch again in the post game, and Finch said that it was a good situation to give them a little runtime, and he's gonna look at it in the next games. But we've we've kind of heard that honestly before. I've I've at least heard that that he said he's gonna do it. Um. That's our best four and five pairing statistically. And just you can just tell by the eye test. It looks I don't know why they don't start those two. And I don't I don't know why we don't have at least give it more of a big. chance. At least give it more of a chance. Yeah. I don't Nas isn't a real five. He's six nine. I mean Cat's not a real five either, bro. He <laughs> need a, I think you do need a seven footer, man. I think you need a true seven footer. 
for rebounding purposes. And like you said, like you mentioned earlier, Willie Colley Stein's available. I'm sure there's a lot of other seven footers that can fill in a rebounding position or um, Nathan Knight. He's six ten. Yeah. Why not give him some runtime? I mean, I, he's been playing spectacular for the Iowa Wolves who are now just like the only thing that we can look at for happiness nowadays. I, I swear I've seen more Iowa Wolves highlights than I've seen Timberwolves highlights. I think so. I think I think I have. You know, seeing that seeing that thirty one point Nate Nate Knight performance was it was nice to see. Um, it's it, the rotations right now. I think are... Finch is struggling, bro. I think Finch is honestly, man. I think we touted him the save. We call him the savior a little too early. I think he's. There's been a lot of things happening this year that are just kind of unacceptable for an NBA coach and an NBA team. We're talking about these huge 16-point runs by the other teams when we just can't get a bucket. But look at our offensive players that we have, Chris. We have so much talent. you got to be able to put these players in situations where they can score and where they can just get an easy bucket. Because you look at all these other teams, and they can just get easy bat. It's easy. It's easy buckets. And it, for the Timberwolves, everything is so hard. Like I feel like even when we're doing good, it's like it is like we have to give it our all. Yeah, I I think a nice point that um actually Dane Moore brought up in the post game um presser he asked Cat this he said how he asked how Cat's feeling in a flow type offense and how to get that flow and Cat responded he doesn't know that's why that's why he gets paid million dollars he's got to figure it out but he brought up another interesting point today about how every every single coach Carl Anthony Towns has had so far has been a very set play coach. Um, Tibbs and both Saunders were running a lot of set plays and you, you bring, you bring Finch in here and he's a, he's a very flow oriented offense. He, he lets his big time players oftentimes decide what they're going to do and how they're going to move the ball. And it, it looks sometimes like cat doesn't know what to do with the ball and the flow. And I think that's where D'Lo has been really excelling lately is now that he's starting to hit his shots. He, he looks really good in that offense because he knows when to pass the ball. He knows when to get his shot. I, I don't know if Cat needs to adjust to this or if he's just... I I don't know. It's something Something's wrong with Carl Anthony Towns' ball movement at the yeah. moment and his decision-making in the low post. And I think it's because he's never had that free reign before of just letting him do him. Right. And I think he doesn't, I think he's been, um, he's been covered by a system for so long in his life that now that he is, uh, he's free to do what he wants. He doesn't know who he is as a player anymore. Cause he's just so used to having the coach tell him exactly what to do. And then that's what he does. So I think you're right there. And I think another player that might be struggling with that is Anthony Edwards. I think that his ball movement also has struggled. There's been a few times when he drives to the cup and then kicks it out and then we get the offense rolling, maybe a few swings around the around the uh, three-point line, we get a wide open three. But there's also a lot of times where Anthony Edwards drives in at four defenders and then complains that he doesn't get fouled when at the same time there's three guys wide open on the perimeter. So I think he's also struggling with the ball movement aspect as well. Yeah, um, I, think, I think at the moment, you know, Pat Bev and D'Lo are the only ones who are really operating well within the system and that's really weird how pat bev is every time i see pat bev drive with the ball he, he really does make a good decision 
yeah. in the lane. I mean, he, he either passes it off or takes that nice little fadeaway that he's shown a few times now with the immediate stop. Um, and the biggest thing in this offense that is killing Carl Anthony Towns is having Vando and Akogi on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's very apparent that Vando and Akogi's man comes and harasses Carl Anthony Towns in the low post. But Vando in Akogi are such a non-factor offensive on the offensive side of the ball that it doesn't matter. We're 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 in theory playing four on five mm-hmm. when we're playing one of those two. Um, Vando not as much as Akogi, but they they both can't shoot, and that's when you're running an a, offense that's based around shooting, and you have yes. guys that can't shoot. It they're basically unplayable at that point, honestly. Because Cat needs shooter. If if you're gonna double cat the best way to break them out of doubling cat and opening up the lane for him is to pass out of it it's the easiest answer in the world and i think that's where nathan knight could honestly step in if you guys have watched his g league highlights and his atlanta hawks highlights you can see he can hit that ball hit that three ball at a 35 percent clip you can see he's an, an excellent mid-range shooter and he knows how to get to the cup i think at 23 years old i think he's at times better decision makers and some of those guys are ready that are in the starting lineup and role players it's i think i think we need to let the let some of the young guys get some run i think we do need to let balmero get some run at the point guard when because i personally i like pat bev and the d'lo pairing i i think it's a good pairing i think the rubio and d'lo pairing didn't work for the fact that i don't think ricky rubio was a smart basketball player last year but Pat Bev seems to know how to play off D'Lo a lot better than Ricky knew how to. And I think it is crucial to have Patrick Beverly in the starting lineup at this point because he's one of our plus players. Mm-hmm. And in order to have him in the starting lineup, you have to have a decent backup point guard because D'Lo and him are not going to be able to you know, run that much time. D'Lo can't play 43 minutes a night. He's not He's not that durable. I, I would give Balmero a chance, personally. He's shown me in his two G League games He's put up 20 and 10 in both of them. I, why not? Or even McKinley Wright, maybe. He's been, he played really solid last night, too. I think he had 30 points and 10, 10 assists or something crazy like that. I mean, yeah, we got options. And even I know Jalen Noel, when he got his one chance earlier, a few games ago, he didn't really do much. But even him, like he, just burying guys like that on the bench is tough when a guy like Jordan McLaughlin is getting all the minutes and he has, he has struggled a lot. But, um, what you're saying about Nate Knight is that he he also fits in kind of that same category as um, Nas Reed. Yes. They're both kind of the same player, the big that can shoot the three. That's not a huge, huge, that's not necessarily a center, but kind of like that between the four and the five. And like, that's kind of what you need for Carl Anthony Towns. And the thing with Cat and the double teaming of Cat is when, when our guys are hitting shots, you can't double Cat because that's an easy three every single possession when you leave someone wide open and when we have shooters out on the court. So I think once that starts to come around, everything's going to start clicking for Carl Anthony Towns. If he can if he can start finding players um, open for threes, and then they got to respect that, and then he gets a little bit more leeway, and I think that'll that'll really open it up for him. But we got to hit shots, and that's really hard when you have a guy like Josh Kogi or Jared Vanderbilt out on the court. Yeah. Um, you know, it's... I think I think another forgotten part of that brutal game was Malik and he was it was a one step forward two step back kind of night for him. Yeah. It was poor decision making. Um 
non-factor off ball. He didn't, I didn't see him cutting and he just, he wasn't hitting his shots. And he last year played such a crucial part into us winning games at the end of the season. You know, when we were, when we were kind of almost, we, we were almost 500 in the last like 20 to 30 games. Did he um, play at the end of the season or wasn't he out with the, no, he played. Um, Did he? I thought he was out of the season with a um, hamstring. Maybe at the end end, but the, even during the season when D'Lo and Cat were, you know, alternating with their injuries. That's when he did it. We won games with Malik and yeah. that he, I, he's been a different player, man. He has not been, even when he's shot, making his shot, shots, the shot he's not, looks off. The, the, the shot looks really flat. I know yep. I, he has a flat shot, but it looks, it just looks like it's always going to be hitting off that back rim out. I don't know. I hopefully he can, you know, get into a groove, but I mean, we keep saying that every single episode, we keep saying this is the game that Malik's going to come back, but no, he, he's been struggling and we've me, we've both been pretty big Malik supporters. We've both been saying like, we really didn't want him to get traded. Um, but I don't know, man, he, he's struggled a lot lately. And I don't know. I think that what we can do is we can pull some optimism from that game is that Memphis is a good team. They're a pretty solid team in the West. They're, they'll be in the playoffs this year. Maybe you think they'll be higher than the plane? I think they'll probably be in the seven to 10 range. The West is just too deep. Yeah. So th- those are one of the, they're one of the teams that we are going to be competing with for like the play in spot, like up in that area. So for us to like, we should have won that game. Like there was a 99% chance that we were going to win that game at one point. And just to see that, at least it has to give you some optimism. I mean, it is still early in the, game, in the season. We, I think we're going to be okay, but it just hurts so much to have to go through that because that is so reminiscent of what happened last year, every single game. And remember that one stat last year, how uh, we were like 0-7 in overtimes or something at one point? Yeah. Like it just whenever we go to overtime, you know we're not gonna win the game. Like there's just a zero percent chance. Yeah, yeah we. It's we, demoralizing, we, man. We, we, you know, we just <laughs> didn't hit shots in overtime. We it was bad shot selection, shot selection, and poor defense. Um, that's kind of in the story of when the Wolves have a decent shooting night. Is their defense is on the drain, and that's that's alarming. Um, I, th- I think the I think just the most frustrating part of these first nine games is our record should at least be flipped at the moment to six and three um, mm-hmm. if this team played like they like they should. Um, these were these first you know nine games were the games to get us off on a good footing and provide you know comfort when we lose to the Warriors or to the Lakers or to a team like that. But, you know, they they have really not a lot of room for error. If you think about it, we're almost one-eighth through the season, and that's a big chunk of the season, and they are on a five-game losing skid. Um, that's – I we said it last game, and we're going to keep saying it until they break this losing streak, but the next game is a must-win. and It's, it, it's against the Warriors. <laughs> they're going against, the, in my opinion, the best team in the league at the moment without Clay and, and um, without um, Wiseman. They're, the Warriors are – Steph Curry is just incredible, man. And Jordan Poole now is 
you know, probably going to be the most improved player. And they, they just play well as a unit, man. They really do. They're one of the best coach teams in the NBA. Their stadium is one of the hardest stadiums to play at. It's going to be a brutal road game for the Wolves. Um, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, return <laughs> Andrew Andrew Wiggins I'm sure is going to have his revenge game against the hey but D'Lo is going to have his revenge game so it, it, it'll be a it'll be a drama filled game and if you guys are going to be tuning in me and Chris will be live streaming that game starting at about what time you think at 8 40 tomorrow yeah we can do 8 eight forty. it's a nine o'clock uh central time game yeah so that late, is late one that is a must win game um and it it could get really ugly really fast it <laughs> The, the play-by-play announcer and the color commentator on the Basel live stream uh, tomorrow could could be a little demoralized halfway through the game. We no, no. Hey, we, we, hey, if we have a 15-point lead at halftime, we won't be excited either. I trust no. me about that. We will no. be actually probably more worried if we're up by no. 15. We're going to be bringing the energy, though. I'll give you that. Um, I got a, I got a question for you, Chris. Um, I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't, I don't even know if – did I ask? I don't know if I asked you this, but – would you rather have John ja Morant or Anthony Edwards? Well, I'm. I mean, I would rather have John ja Morant, but that's not a uh, that's not a diss to you know Anthony Edwards at all. Considering John ja Morant, I think is pretty much already solidified himself as a top point guard or top five point guard in the league, and he's he's going to so you know once once Curry once the Curry's start to retire and the CP3s, it's going to be probably. John ja Trey for the number one point guard spot in the NBA. Ja's gonna win an MVP. What about Luca's career? I, I don't know what Luca's ceiling is now with this new rule change. Um, he's not averaging. You know, he's averaging about twenty-two, and I I think Ja is just such an explosive athlete and such a clutch player at that. And he's a great um, passer too. That's great another passer. thing. He can run a great, game. Uh, one of the I possibly the best finisher for the point guard position in the league he's he can do it multiple ways if you see some of his layups they're they're incredible um it's not a diss to anthony edwards i i think potentially they have the same potential i i mean i i can see them both with anthony edwards nice quote there yeah with anthony edwards size and you know skill set i he could be one of the best players in the league too and potentially win an mvp but I, I would bet on John Morant reaching his fullest potential more than I bet on Anthony Edwards reaching his fullest potential. Again, I love it. Um, I think I think it. I think it was one of I think it was one of two picks, and I think we. I think at least we didn't pick Wiseman, is what I'll say. Um, <laughs> like Darren wanted to. Yeah, at least we didn't <laughs> pick Wiseman. I, I can't say I can't speak too much about Lamelo because I think Lamelo is also going to be you know, a top five point guard in the league at some point. It's tough though. Um, kind of segueing off topic from that, but you, our point guard is playing well right now though. And we, we talk about wanting a, an all NBA point guard, but D'Angelo Russell, I have been without those two bad shooting nights where I, I think he still got to his spots and shot the ball, which I, I like him. I like him doing. He has really been getting to his spots and, you know, making the offense roll, in my opinion. Besides besides those last five minutes or so, I, th- I thought D'Angelo Re- Russell was the reason that we even scored that much points last yeah. night. You could tell the difference of our team with and without D'Angelo Russell. In. I mean, you were going for his head. You're coming for his head a little bit after those few games. What what changed? What what you just it's hard. It's hard because 
he's the type of player where when he's good, he's really good. When he's bad, he's really, really bad. And so that's yeah, kinda... it's I think I think I was a little too hard on him for, you know, having a cold stretch when the entire team was having a cold right. stretch. Um, but I really do think, you know, you have to realize he's a guy who's going to get to his spots. And he, even though he's going to take a few contested shots, he's taking those on purpose. It's it's he's a tall guy. He's a lengthy point guard. So he's going to be able to get it over those guys. And, you know, that's where he succeeds. And I thought his driving looked a lot better last night. I thought he attacked the rim fairly well, in my opinion, and passed out of it well. Yeah. So. He's a he's a heat check type player, man. I was um I was watching the game with my roommate and we were I was taking bets with him. So after D'Angelo Russell made two threes in a row, I said, All right, I'll put a dollar on this next possession. I get D'Angelo Russell, you get the field. Who's who's shoot I'm saying D'Angelo Russell's shooting it, he took the field. And then sure thing, D'Lo dribbles down the court, chucks up a deep three, misses it. But still, like he's the type of player where you know if he makes one, he's gonna shoot at the next possession. He's gonna keep shooting until he misses it. That's kind of yeah. how his heat check works is what I've noticed is like he will keep shooting until he misses, which I like that. I like that confidence. And yeah, he can he can hit two to three threes, like boom, 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 back to back possessions. And you didn't even know what happened. Yeah, he's he's he's, he's a hard he player is. to like, though. He's we've talked about this. He just has a a very different game. He plays like no one else has ever played. And I don't think anyone else will ever play like him. He just takes a lot of contested twos and just a bunch of contested threes. And it's just, it's kind of hard for like a normal basketball fan just to see that and appreciate it for what it is. Every every team needs its volume scores. And, you know, most nights those volume scores are going to do well, but obviously some nights volume scores are going to, play like a Dion waiters and you know be really not score and but volume scores are also the reason teams win games um right so it's important it's Delo is without you know with this Gerson Rosas construct constructed roster Delo is the offense is built around D'Angelo Russell D'Angelo Russell might be the most vital part of this team due to what Gerson built I don't I don't know Without without D'Lo, this team just looks empty. I don't. I don't yeah, know. I don't, it's missing something. It's missing something, and I don't know if you plug the same point guard. I don't know if you plug a different point guard in there, and it looks any better. Like Pat Bev, without D'Lo, I was it didn't look great. That's a really interesting point you bring up. That like, I never really thought about it like that. That the team is built around D'Angelo Russell. When in reality, he could be the th- he might be the third best player on the team. If the roster is a hundred percent constructed around D'Angelo Russell, it's it's yeah, so that obvious I, to see. And then that's just weird to think about that you would have the roster built around your third best player. And so, like, is that putting Cat in the best position? I don't know, probably not. Is that even putting Ant in the best position? Probably not. But that's just how the roster is right now. So we got to do the best with it. But um, another point I wanted to bring up and kind of why I asked you about the John Morant thing is John Morant is a dog with a w d-a-w-g he um he's an alpha man like he when he gets in that position at the end of the game when his team is down by 10 with however many minutes left he wants the ball in his hand he wants to take the shot and he might not make the shot but he's going to make a play and he's going to be aggressive and there's no way in hell that john morant's going to let this shot clock go down to two seconds before he puts up a shot he's gonna be aggressive and he's gonna be the aggressor 
put the make the defense on their heels, make them be scared. On the Timberwolves, man, sure Anthony Edwards is a great player. He's great offensively. Sure, you're talking about D'Angelo Russell is great offensively. Sure, Cats, uh, what a top 15 player in the NBA. How the hell do you have all these games where we don't have a single guy that's willing to step up and do that? It's, How does that happen? It's I, tough. It, it is tough. I mean, like you you saw the shot where. I think the Grizzlies were down by five at this point and cat got switched on to John Moran. Yeah. And you, you, there, you just knew before he even shot that step back three, that dang, it was going in. Yeah. going in. And that's, that's just, that's why John Morant is going to be one of the best players in the league. It's that's why we can't say that about Anthony Edwards right now. Cause he's not yeah. showing us that. The, no, no, none of these three guys have, you know, I, I can't say none of these three. I, I think D'Angelo Russell has, you know, in his past two years, hit He's a hit lot big of shots. really clutch shots for us. I, I would say Ant and Cat haven't shown me they they can be that guy to come back from five to ten points in the last three or four minutes. I haven't seen that yet of these guys. And it's not even I. It's not even that is what I'm I'm saying to the point when we're up by fifteen to, to hold keep, the lead. To hold a lead, you need someone who's going to be aggressive and not be scared and playing hot potato honestly like i don't know it's just so frustrating to me to see that happen because it's almost like the players were having the same reaction that we were like oh shit john morant's gonna go off and we're gonna lose but like no dude you're up by 10 points like 10 points is a lot of points even in the nba to the point where you should be able to get a few easy buckets and put the game away i don't know it seemed like yeah it was just I really the, i think the three games they've choked so far is they've they've been passive having the lead i think they just have to change their mindset of we don't even have a, a, a fucking 15 point lead we're, we're a tie game right now just yeah. play like you're tied just play play like you normally play and you win the game like yeah even even if that doesn't work though and they come back at least you were fucking running an offense and not just looking I, I don't even know what that was i don't even know what it was and who do you blame that on chris do you blame that on the coaching because i'm at i'm starting the point where like i don't know finch has had a lot of games where he's mismanaged the game in the at the end and i don't know if it's i guess because we we're talking about everyone was talking about how we only practice defense in the offseason well if you're if your offense is built solely around if your team is built solely around offense maybe you should have practiced a little bit more offense maybe you should have had a few more set plays that you can run sure you can run that uh what's what's the off the flow offense is that yeah, what you're calling it yeah sure you can sure you can run that during the game but at least have a few set plays that you can go to to where like all right i know i'm either gonna get a basket a wide open three or i'm gonna get fouled here you gotta be able to have that in the nba every 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 level of basketball has a few plays that can do that and it just honestly it seems like we did not we don't have that and that's just unacceptable yeah, it's 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 almost like like we were talking about Ryan the year prior. Like there's just not a lot of easy shots. It yeah, it's hard. Every, like there's a lot of. You know, so then, do you say did we did we boot did we give Ryan not enough? Like was it all Ryan's fault? I think I don't think Ryan was good. Um, I don't think he was good at all. But I don't think he was all to blame for the Timberwolves. I think you can put a lot of blame on. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It's a lot of blame to be put or put on there. It's just a t- it's a tough start. It's a tough start to a season that you expect to be, you know, above 500. It's yeah, you you gotta, you know, you're going to advance two against. I know the Lakers are struggling, but I mean LeBron's LeBron's going to be out. You know, that's going to be a plus for the for the Timberwolves. But that 
That's not usually where we That's thrive. not a guarantee, man. We, we <laughs> played teams without their stars um, all year. Previous games, so I yeah. think I think it is. It's a tough first nine games. They gotta switch switch up the next nine. They gotta have a winning nine. You know the next next few. So yeah, a, a winning streak's gonna feel nice. I remember last year, that was also. A, I mean, cause we guys don't know about it. Me and Chris are very invested in this. Like, I'm, honestly, I'd say too invested at this point, to the point where it ruins my night if the Timberwolves lose. Like last night, man, I was so pissy. My roommate's like, "Dude, what is what is wrong with you?" Like, what? I'm like, "I'm sorry, man." Like, I, I take it's just because like. For Chris and I, it's not it's not only that, oh yeah, we're huge Tim Rose fans, so we have to watch the team. It's more than that. Because then we gotta come back the next day and we gotta talk about the loss. We gotta relive the loss. We gotta break down the loss. And then it's even worse than that because then we gotta go look at the analytics of our podcast. And when we're losing, not as many people tune in. So that's a triple a triple slap for the loss. And then when it builds up, it's just boom, 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 boom. And we're just getting beaten up. So a win on Wednesday is going to mean the world to us man and we're going to be live streaming and i i don't i'm just going to be so happy if we can pull away a win against the warriors i, th- I think a, i think a journalist or just just a just a podcaster in general's worst nightmare is having to talk about the same thing over over yeah. an elongated period of time because it makes things stale like we don't like talking about us blowing leads or having bad lineups or not hitting shots like that seems like it's been that it has been the story the for the whole last last two for the last year man the last season and this season so like yeah we want to talk about this player getting a 40 point performance this player debuting getting 10 5 3 we, what, we want to talk about garbage time when all of our future players are getting minutes because we're up by 30 points yeah. and they're finally you know what i'm saying so it's just as hard i mean i understand the fans i I don't even know how you guys could just casually do this without even having like a podcast about it or anything. <laughs> Can't even imagine, man. It, it's just it's so difficult, and we got to turn it around. And I still have faith. I mean, that that's what I wanted. That that was my point. I was trying to make at the beginning of the podcast at some point, but um, I still have faith. It is a long season, and you said we're already one way through this one eighth of the way through the season. I, I don't know. When I look at that, Chris, I see a lot of season left. Seven eighths. It's yeah. a lot. <laughs> well, you're right. It's a lot of season. Um, yeah, these guys. I I sure hope they can. Uh, they have to figure something out quick because it is a long season. Um, but once you start, you know, dropping five in a row, that means a lot towards the end. So. You know they're playing the league's league's best. Um, they're going to be the hungrier team for sure. Hopefully the Warriors are a little laxed after being nine and one to start the season. Yeah, so. hey, maybe Curry gets the rest tomorrow. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> maybe, hey, they, but even if he did, even if he didn't get, even if he gets the rest, you know someone's going to go off against us. I don't. Let's look at the Warriors roster. Let's make a make a prediction. Who's there? Like three or four, um, probably like six, seven, six, eight type player. Who's just gonna just destroy the Timberwolves? Because we always have, they we always just get beat by that. You know, we got to make sure we guard Jordan Poole. Um, he he is very reflective of what we have been struggling to guard, which is Reggie Jackson, Devonte Graham, people like that. And Jordan Poole's only better. Um, Jordan Poole is gonna be an X factor for them. Curry's gonna get his. Um, yeah, who do you put on Curry? Who's gonna guard him? You gonna we gonna start a Kogi? Put him on Curry, or is that not even a 
I, I mean, I'll let's Bev, see what, let's see what Pat, Pat Bev. Bev. Yeah, what am I talking Pat about? Bev's no, Pat Bev is gonna lock Curry's ass up. That's that's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah. So we got okay. So we got Bev on Curry. Um. Then what? D'Lo on Pool. Draymond in. Draymond Wiggins, and then who else? Who they got at the five? Um. Damian Lee. I know he's been playing well. I have no clue who the Warriors have at the five at the moment. I think Draymond might be playing the five. They might be oh, small ball. It's not a bad. It's not a bad matchup for us though, because we usually struggle when a team has a seven foot center. That's when. So it's. I think it's going to be a big, big game from Cat. That's my prediction. A big game from Cat. And a big game from Curry. Those are going to be the two guys that play the best. And I don't know. I hope. I hope we can win. It's a must win. And if we don't win, we'll be sad. That's all I can say. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll catch you guys on the live stream uh, nine nine p.m. Central time tomorrow. Um, get in get Make in sure. there at like eight fifty five. Right, because there's gonna be a lot of Warriors fans in the chat. So you guys gotta you guys gotta bring some Timberwolves pride for us. Yeah, we're gonna really need it tomorrow. Um, thank you guys for listening. Peyton and I hope our next Timberwolves talk is completely different than the yes, one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have a good rest of your day, guys. Peace.